Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And the president's poll numbers really dismal. These numbers, Savannah, are setting off alarm bells mm. for Democrats. This is new polling from the New York Times, Siena College. It shows 64% of Democratic voters prefer a different candidate in 2024. Mm. And perhaps the most concerning thing for Democrats, age is the biggest issue. At 79, President Biden is actually older than former President Ronald Reagan was in his second term. Nearly two-thirds of Democratic voters surveyed think the party should nominate another candidate in 2024. That includes 94% of voters under 30. The poll did show, however, Mr. Biden beating Donald Trump in a hypothetical. The real positive to take away is when you start to raise rates, the fear is businesses are going to lay people off. They can't grow. Well, that's not the case. Businesses are hiring, hiring and hiring. What's a piece of this, Steph, is, the, is this story and these jobs numbers have been covered throughout the day today that you think is missing from the broader conversation? Like, what's the angle that we're not talking about that we should be? Well, the fact that this is good news, right? It's easy to say, look at gas prices. They're so high. But guess what? Look closer at gas prices. They're, they're going down. Say, that's and, right. I was just going to ask sort of, you about that. Gas prices are actually going down. And to simply say, what is the administration doing? This is a huge problem. You have to remember, when you look at the economy, all of this was caused by COVID. And yes, we are getting through COVID, but you've still got supply chain issues because of China. Nobody predicted the war, and that's caused food prices to go up, lumber prices to go up, gas prices to go up. The good news that I want everyone to take away is... Yes, this is a complicated time. Things are expensive. But all of this is part of a broader theme, which is economic recovery. And I would want to remind people of where we were two years ago, potentially facing economic disaster. Stephanie Rule, thank you. I'm sure we'll see more of this discussion later tonight uh, in prime time on MSNBC. Live from the magic wall with a look at how the American people feel about the January 6th hearings. Uh, Harry, so... Are voters paying attention to these hearings, and, and what are you finding there? Yeah, so, you know, look here. Following the January 6th hearings very or somewhat closely, what do we see? We see overall the majority of Americans are, in fact, following these hearings very or at least somewhat closely. And here's a more interesting little nugget here. While Democrats are more likely to be following the hearings closely than Republicans, in fact, the majority of Republicans at 51 percent say that they are, in fact, following the hearings very or somewhat closely. But here's the big question. Is it really changing anybody's mind? And I think we can get a good idea of it from this question from Quinnipiac. 
Did Trump commit a crime to change the 2020 election results? And we can compare April of 2022 versus now. Overall, in April of 2022, it was 46%. Now, it's that same 46%. Among Democrats, we see that it's actually dropped two points, although within the margin of error, 87% back in April of 2022 and 85%. Now, among Republicans, there's been perhaps a slight upward movement to 15%, but still clearly the vast majority of Republicans do not, in fact, believe that Trump committed a crime. And these hearings don't seem so far to, in fact, change opinions across all Americans of whether Trump committed a crime to change the 2020 election results. Uh, and Harry, we've talked before about the poor polling for Democrats heading into this year's midterm elections. Have these hearings changed that outlook at all? Not really. No. Uh, I, I mean, look, uh, before the hearings began, you know, they began on June 9th. On June 8th, my average of the polls, the generic ballot had Republicans plus three points. Now, where is it? Republicans plus two points. You could make the argument that maybe there was a slight change, but the fact is there's so much news going on. This is not much of a change at all. And I think there's a pretty good reason why. Because what is the top issue for Americans at this point? And who is trusted on that? The top issue for Americans at this point is not the January 6th committee hearings. It is not Donald Trump. It's inflation, according to 33% of Americans. That is the top issue. And who is trusted more on the issue of inflation? The margin right here is absolutely huge. Republicans are trusted over Democrats by 19 points. And that is why, at this particular point, Republicans still lead on that generic congressional ballot. And to take your questions. Most significant actions. Does this administration respect the Hyde Amendment, ma'am? Simple question. This is a real simple question. Do you respect the Hyde Amendment or no? You can answer that. You can't answer that question. Sorry. So um, I'm a little still. by declaring a public health emergency. The middle class, hardworking people and people struggling to get in the middle class, they built America and unions built them. The third reason I said I was running was to unite the country. And generically speaking, all of you said, no, you can't do that. Well, I've not been able to unite the Congress, but I've been uniting the country based on the polling data. Well, folks, uh, you know, you don't have to stand every time I hear hail to the chief wonder, where the hell is he? <laughs> it took me a long while. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. Turn around and where, where's, where's the president? Consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, 
Burgundy will read. It's Independence Day, so let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Dictator Ron DeSantis incredibly lets you walk around without masks. That tyrant allows your kids to go to school during the pandemic, year two or four, or who the hell knows. I urge you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we'll take the money you earn and give it to people who don't work. Visit San Francisco, where you can walk through human feces. If you're lucky, you might step on a syringe. Check out Los Angeles, where gas is so expensive, your kids only need to skip a meal or two or ten to afford it. California, where freedom means lockdowns for you, while I go to the places you can't afford. Don't let them take your freedom. Come to California, where we'll take it, along with your money. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 13th of July, year of our Lord, 2022, episode 613. I love the Ron Burgundy. Whoever came up with that is just a fucking genius. It's just fucking perfect. It's so perfect. And we got a couple media things. We're trying to spin that turd. We have a joking rebuttal to Mr. fucking California, which I think is just muy bueno because we got some great stuff today some of you probably already seen by the time i got to it but i thought first we'd start with my medical update It sucked. It was a suck fucking fest. So I head to Nashville. I eat at like 5.30 in the morning. I do a short walk. And then I eat like a little bit of oat milk because I wasn't even fucking hungry. I did not get on the table until 5 p.m. I sat in that waiting room for six fucking, well, not six hours because they pulled me back at three and stuck me on a bed and took forever to IV me because I was dehydrated, of course, and I have thick skin. I'm a horrible person to tap. That's why when I was a platoon star, and I'd always make the combat lifesaver stick me. Because if you could stick me, you could stick anybody in combat because my veins are non-existent. It doesn't matter when I'm skinny like I am now. It doesn't matter when I'm fat. It just It's a skin thing. I'm not vascular. But it blew. They stuck some tube... That I swear to God, um, let me see if I can get a graphic rest. It was about thicker than this into my nose with a bunch of stuff they spewed in there. It was supposed to numb it. It was lanocaine gel. Didn't work. Cut my nose. I'm bleeding all over the place. And I could not do it. It got to here and I was puking, projectile vomiting, even though there was nothing to puke. I puked it out. She tried three times. Blood, spit, 
couldn't do it. That's a motility where they stick a tube down here and you drink. And this senses how your esophagus works. So strike one, couldn't do it. That's one o'clock. Then they stick me on a table and I just sit there laying down. I asked to sit up because I can't lay down. Next thing you know, I'm dry heaving again. So they gave me a shot of uh, puke medicine, which helped me. And I just laid there. So they go in. They blow my stomach. I am still this morning. I did my five mile road march because uh, I couldn't do shit yesterday. I slept maybe three hours. I felt like fucking shit on my barbed wire. Um, I felt like fucking shit. Um, went to bed like at 9 30, woke up at two, couldn't swallow, um, didn't walk, and then I went to the crack appointment. And then by evening, I had massive nausea after dinner. Um, don't even know why all I had was soup. Um, but I did get a couple meals in, but anyway, they blow my stomach up, dilate my esophagus. So it's like, basically I just got fisted, um, fill it full of air, take like 10 biopsies. There were polyps, all sorts of shit in there. Um, some scarring in the connection to the small intestine, which probably means why I have the pain there. And then he decided to widen my throat so today i can talk yesterday i could not talk i was a fucking hurting unit man i was just in pain so i have what's called a bravo capsule it's sending signals to this i'll wear it through today mail it back and they'll analyze ph level of the stomach uh contractions heartburn all that shit if i you know eat, I got to push a button. When I work out, I got to push a button. When I go to sleep, I got to push a button. Um, I don't know if this is going to help me any. I know my stomach feels different. I had a, a small hiatal hernia, like I thought. Uh, it's not operable, but it's definitely out of whack. Um, a lot of scarring still, and they found a bunch of polyps. So I don't. maybe that's why I was nauseous. Who knows? Um, I slept 10 fucking hours last night. I went to bed at 7 and woke up at 5 a.m. And noticeably less nausea, just still capturing way too much air for whatever reason when I'm sleeping. So I am not a doctor. It doesn't make sense when I have this esophageal problem that fills my stomach with air when I sleep. But supposedly this is supposed to help me. And I do notice I can burp. I've had a hard time burping. Air would get trapped. Now I burp. You'll hear me burping. I'm doing my first monster. I'm supposed to try everything that I do because they want to censor it. So this is the one monster I'm going to try. Um, but I can burp again, which makes it a lot better. So I don't know if this is a stepping stone or not. I got another follow-up on Thursday. Tomorrow I talk to a doctor. Um, I'm doing uh, labs tomorrow to ensure that it isn't something else. But I do feel different because he moved everything around in my inside. Um, so we'll see. So I wanted to start with something that happened late last night. And I got to admit, we've been covering woke for a long time. And there are very few times that I'm really surprised. But this whole birthing person shit and these motherfuckers, really? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Meske, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? 
many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think <laughs> so. You are denying that trans people like this, thing. and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're, told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot. I know. This exchange. Absolutely extraordinary, Professor Bridges. You said several times. You've used a phrase. I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get <laughs> so you're denying that trans people like this. Thing. And that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're at, opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot just in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Um, Ms. Matsky. Senator Lee, Senator Cruz have talked about, oh, this decision just to turn, this uh, Dobbs decision just returned to, to the, the elected representatives of states to, and people can battle it out in these laboratories of democracy as to whether they want to protect fetal life over the interest of, of the pregnant person. These are the same states that are stopping people from voting. Texas has the most restrictive voting laws on the books. Texas's SB8 doesn't represent the will of the majority of Texans. Texas SB8 represents the will of the majority of Texans that were able to vote. So in order for this to be a democracy, we have to protect voting rights. And I, I leave it to um, everyone in this, in this room, as well as the rest of Congress, to protect voting rights so that we can be a real democracy. Now, I know I double tapped some of that, but that is just that thing is once again teaching students. 
And the fact that they're just so all in on birthing person, Latin X. My God, do they know it polls like horrible for the people? Uh, you're not answering the question. I'm answering a more interesting question to me. Who the fuck? Who the fucking fuck? This entire exchange of Berkeley professor mass wearing or haughty leftism, elitism, and entitlement or accusation that Holly is transphobic and her obvious neo-Marxism is unbelievable. It's not unbelievable. This is, this is who they are. This, this is what these people are. Um, some of the, some of the replies on threads I had, teacher, teacher, Josh said a no, no word. Great. The GOP definitely needs to use a video of that exchange in their midterm campaigns as if they don't have enough craziness, crazy town. The normalization of mental illness is going great. Unbelievable insanity has hold on too many people. What's funny is she really thinks she got him. Lefties carried it as she schooled him. Most of us stare at it like, what the actual fuck is wrong with these people? A great thread. I'm not going to put slides today. We proceed swiftly from words or violence in the sense of slurs, etc., to microaggressions or violence, to questions other people's choice of words or preferred linguistic norm causes violence. There is a ton of violence. Note. That it can both be true that Holly is grandstanding and that this is a pathetic stance for progressives to take that makes us look embarrassingly weak. You don't have to embrace caricatures of yourself. Why in God's name do you want to endlessly feed them this sort of ammo? There are millions of answers you can give that would accomplish your political goals without making you sound like Bill O'Reilly's wet dream. The last exchange where she tells him that if he doesn't agree, men can get pregnant. He is saying trans people don't exist is just... This is what happens when Twitter and Tumblr collide with the real world. It's a disaster. The catchphrases don't work out there. Basically, we're fucked. Lefties. This exchange between Professor Kerr, Bridges, and Holly, where she schools him completely while also refusing to let him interrupt her, injects it directly into my veins. This writer, who's a lefty, just off the top of my head and setting aside my philosophical concerns with gender identity, here's an answer that would be much harder to caricature clip for fundraising without sacrificing her commitment to these beliefs. You need to acknowledge there's a linguistic dispute. You mean centrality of these nations, sex and gender, or someone's identity is very important. And it goes on to blah, 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 word salad that this is important for these people because they're all mental. That's the implication of it all. These trans people are mental. You don't want to make them commit suicide. That's your guys' whole stance. Well, that's why it's called gender dysphoria. And before we didn't feed it, we corrected it with psychological help. He continues. Problem is, even this probably wouldn't work for her purposes because it relies on her acknowledging biological sex and making a slightly more nuanced argument that trans X are X, both of which can get you accused of rhetorical violence in the most toxic lefty spaces. Anyway, I know it's super important not to never to ever say anything that makes any activist mad on Twitter. God forbid there's a distance between Twitter speak and real life. I look forward to discussing this further during the long nights of the Holly presidency. Can't emphasize how badly you should check out the quote retweets to experience the full extent of the bubble. 
And I'm going to do it really quick. I'm envious of anybody who's lucky enough to get her as a professor. He can't hold a candle to her brilliance. Let's all remember that Kiwana Bridges is a professor of law at Berkeley. Holly has a Bachelor of Arts. Both of them were preaching to the respective choirs. She absolutely destroyed him. This woman is fabulous. So wait, men can get pregnant? I'm confused. This is where the confusion comes. When both of them say men, they mean two different things. When society say men, they mean cis males. And when she says it includes a different type of men, trans men, cis men, etc. I don't know why she doesn't qualify her statement when it comes to this. It becomes meaningless. Holly, so much you're saying, Bridges, you are transphobic. She had no arguments. She had plenty of arguments. It's why I say it's a cult. These people are in a cult. And when you do it, you make an ass out of yourself. So, for my comic relief, here's Flotus. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, <laughs> is your strength. First Lady Jill Biden has apologized after making some unfortunate analogies during a speech to Latino Americans in San Antonio, Texas yesterday. I, I can't even tell you what, here's what she said. You have to just look. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, <laughs> is your strength. <laughs> these two ladies and the, for these two Latinas in the front row are just crazy. They're her oh. and they're just, they're, they're, oh, they're, they're no. just, I mean, yeah, bodega is what she you, meant to so say. You, you think somebody might have read the speech beforehand and said, maybe you don't want to say it like this. Yeah. But this is, you know, I, I, I won't even say what, I, what it is, because, you know, we all step in poo from time to time. And there's a, there's a ton of high-level Hispanics in the White House. They just named um, Julie Rodriguez Chavez That's as right. a special advisor. Well, were they she, all at some other meeting without they, her? They were, at some, they were not there. Let me tell you, I've been to these conventions. The margaritas sometimes are so, a, a little too... <laughs> something but, but, happened. You know what, listen. I want to give her uh, points mm -hmm. for showing up.
because for four years we had an administration where nobody showed up to the Essence Festival, where nobody showed up to the Unidos. Well, it was, it yeah. was a racial stereotype. that she, she used racial stereotypes. So I don't know who wrote that for her. But, and it was such an unforced error, right? We all, I don't know if we all have stepped in it. I know I have stepped in it. So, Dr. Jill, just, you know, hear the humor. We get it. We understood what you were trying to do. And just... Christina, let me switch gears here. Uh, First Lady Jill Biden is taking some heat after people took offense at comments she made at a Latino rights event in Texas yesterday. Let's listen to what she said. With the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> All right. Obviously, equating tacos with the Latino community is the issue that many find incredibly offensive. Uh, Christina, what is the White House saying about this? Yeah, no comment yet from the White House this morning. And those, those comments come a day before Mexican President Lopez Obrador is here today to meet with Mr. Biden. So the timing is especially uneasy. Um, you know, look, those remarks from the First Lady came as part of a prepared speech praising the work of a well-known activist. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists condemned the comments, saying in part that Latinos should not be reduced to a stereotype. Vlad? Uh, that is exactly right. Christina, thank you very much. We all agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. First Lady's team probably huddling today. Uh, you to think? That up. Because when you know Jill Biden, that's not who she is, but it didn't come out correctly. All right, sticking with politics, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden is taking some heat over remarks she made yesterday at a Hispanic Unity Conference in Texas. While talking about Hispanic diversity, she mispronounced the word for corner stores historically started by Latinos in New York known as bodegas, but that wasn't all. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists responded that, quote, using breakfast tacos to demonstrate the uniqueness of Latinos in San Antonio demonstrates a Now, I play the hypocrisy there, because do you remember this, the taco bowl? I mean, it was a stupid thing. I love Latinos. Here's a taco bowl. You know, it's fucking gross. But they bite off on it, man. You heard it. And they bought off on this fucking apology from a lackey and you know that's not the act of contrition a republican ought to go through you, you just you just know it just won't work it just won't uh rubio pictures of tacos which i thought was funny an actual organization, which surprised me because, you know, Blue on Blue Crime, that used to be a segment on our show. It's very rare. We're not tacos. We're not tacos. We, we, that's not what we do. But she gets away with it. Because this is the world we live in. We live in a world that is factless. The people that want facts and consistency and talk about institutions and fascism are the people that destroy every fa institution when they can't win, from the Supreme Court down to Electoral College. Have no, I mean, Hillary called them that. Do you remember? She mocked Latinos. And I believe it was tacos. That's what she said, or burritos, or whatever. That was insider emails. And our media, nothing. 
They didn't even acknowledge it. And this was a no-brainer. It just didn't It didn't air. It wasn't that important. Or you heard like on CB, oh, that's not who she is. Well, you don't say that for righties. That is not a, that's not going to work. And they carry it over into everything. And this is going to be a lot of little quick hits. But. This story about the 10-year-old, I mentioned it. It's a lie, but POTUS said it. 10 years old, and she was forced to have to travel out of the state to Indiana to seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. So this is a fact check where he doesn't disprove it. But then we go through and we find out it's completely bullshit, like we think it would be. Abortionists responsible for pushing alleged pregnant 10-year-old girl's story caught not reporting underage abortions. Dr. Caitlin Bernard caught not reporting underage abortions, tagging Glenn Kessler in case he wants to rip off this reporting too. Why doesn't big media investigate anything? In some digging, and Bernard's uncovered that she has been in exactly the same kind of trouble before. Indiana Right to Life audited termination of pregnancy reports of public records of 2018 and found that nine abortion doctors allegedly failed to report underage abortion to the health department as required. 48 consumer complaints have been filed against nine Indiana abortion doctors have allegedly failed to follow the legal reporting requirement to protect young children from sex abuse. The doctors are Jeffrey Glazer, Caitlin Bernard, Cassandra Cashman, Carol Dillinger, Mandy Gitzer, Kathleen Glover, Martin Haskell, Russell Prasinger, and Sasha Sarah Turner. They're employed at all licensed Indiana abortion facilities, Women's Med Center in Indianapolis, Clinic for Women in Indianapolis, and Planned Parenthood in Indianapolis. Some of the girls under 16 old who had abortions were 12 and 13. That's why I always say they want 12-year-olds to be able to just do their abortion. They, the 48 consumer complaints have been filed with the Indiana Attorney General, uh, General Curtis Hill and the Indiana State Department of Health, and nothing's happened so far because they're both Democrats. Reuters reports that abortion bans are forcing U.S. students to rethink. Rethink What? Reporter broke the story about the 10-year-old abortion, notes that restricting abortion may mean more children poverty. Sheridinsky, restricting abortion may mean more children poverty. You don't care. You don't care about these kids. But here's the money shot. And I'm going to play the Attorney General. Nobody's heard anything. There's no reporting on this. Looking into this, a police report was filed. Not a whisper. And we work closely with the, we have a decentralized law enforcement system in Ohio, um, but we have regular contact with prosecutors and local police and sheriffs, not a whisper anywhere. Something maybe even more telling, Jesse, is my office runs the state crime lab. Any case like this, you're going to have a rape kit, you're going to have biological evidence, and you would be looking for DNA uh, analysis, which we do most of the DNA analysis in Ohio. There is no case request for analysis that looks anything like this. Yeah, if it's if it's a family member, then it's even an easier way to find the DNA right there. You just call the father, the uncle, the grandfather, anything, and you and you and you get the guy's DNA and you lock him up. It's also a crime to hide. 
child rape. Isn't isn't it against the law if you have a 10 year old girl come in? Obviously, she's not of the age of consent. They have to report that to law enforcement. And if they don't, that abortion doctor or any doctor should be prosecuted in your state. Correct. That's correct. Um, Now, the doctor in Indiana isn't in our jurisdiction, obviously. We don't know who the originating doctor in Ohio was, if they even exist. But the bottom line is uh, it is a crime if you're a mandated reporter to fail to report. It's also the fact that in Ohio, uh, the rape of a 10-year-old means life in prison. I know our prosecutors and cops in this state. There's not one of them that wouldn't be turning over every rock in their jurisdiction if they had the slightest hint that this had occurred there. Because remember, this is a wet dream. It's a rape. I'm surprised they didn't just make the whole story rape, atopic, 10-year-old pregnancy. So, of course, the media and our mini jerk-off this week, it's Christians and men need to get vasectomies. I am a politician, the media jerk-off of the week. You know, and Ellie, it's not all religions that they're talking about, the use of prayer. Lots of different religions pray. But this Supreme Court has seemed to side very specifically with one religion, right-wing Christian religion, not even just regular Christianity, just a very specific kind. And they've ruled for them almost all the time. I think their success rate is something like in in the 80% range. Pro-religious outcomes in Supreme Court cases under John Roberts, it is 83%. Even under Rehnquist, who was a far-right guy, it was 58%. That is where we are, Ellie. It is not all religion. There are no, there are not a lot of outcomes for Judaism or, you know, for Hinduism. It's all for right-wing Christianity. Yeah, they don't really need to bring in outside groups to pray because they're, the zealots are already on the Supreme Court, right? The call is coming in from inside the House. And if you go back to the Dobbs decision, people need to understand that the premise that life begins at conception is an overtly religious belief. It is a Christian fundamentalist belief. It is not shared by many people of the Jewish faith. It is not shared by many people of the Islamic faith or the Hindu faith or the Buddhist faith or any of these other faiths that make up our country. We have tried doing the new world the way Lauren Bobber suggests. You know where that got us? To the witch trials. You know what happened? People died. But in this, with this court, we are not far away from that again. We are not far away from one of these Lauren Barbert, Marjorie Taylor Greene type people saying, I saw Goody Mistal speaking with the devil and helping women across the border. Like that, that is where they are going with all of this. And it's not just Dobbs. It is a slew of cases that they uh, issued last term that pokes holes in the separation of church and state and allows for the government to establish Christian theocracy over all else.
At the same time, more men are taking action themselves in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade, turning to vasectomies. The number of Google searches for the word vasectomy peaked just one day after the Supreme Court's ruling last month. And now doctors are saying that it's not just searches. More patients are asking for the procedure IRL in real life. Manuel Bojorquez is in Miami Shores with more. Manny, I'm going to be watching this very closely. Good morning. That's right. Good morning. You know, we also spoke with a doctor who said the way he found out about the Supreme Court's decision that day is by the sheer number of phone calls coming into his clinic. He said they tripled their normal volume and the number of men signing up for the procedure tripled, too. 27-year-old Thomas Figueroa says he and his girlfriend do not want children, so getting a vasectomy was always on his mind. I've always thought about this decision. Um, the Supreme Court did push me to finally do it. The procedure, which blocks sperm from entering semen, is outpatient and takes about 10 minutes with about a two-day recovery, as opposed to a female tubal ligation, which is riskier and much more invasive. For Figueroa, this is also about easing the burden on women who have had their constitutional right to abortion taken away, and for those who feel restrictions on birth control could come next. I feel for a lot of men, especially for myself, that this is a way where they're trying to protect their girlfriends are trying to protect their partners. They're trying to protect their future partners. In Houston, Jordan Castro's post about getting a vasectomy went viral. He did it last fall after Texas passed a law banning abortion after about six weeks of fertilization. Really try to put yourself in, uh, in a woman's shoes. I really think I should, I should uh, take that into account and just take a little bit more responsibility. And while vasectomies are reversible, not all reversals are successful. All right, very good. Do you, do you have any pain? That's something Dr. Stein... They are so into abortion. I'm going to play you three sound bites. One is Warren, because she's on a warpath to get rid of pregnancy picture. And there's some trigger warning, because they're such terrible things. That's what's wrong with pregnancy centers. They help mothers. I mean, Planned Parenthood's supposed to be helping them, but they help mothers, and that is bad. So here's Hiawatha losing her shit, and here's another out of place. Don't understand American people where they really are, because all you get is the poll. Do you want abortion to be banned? That's the only poll they go with, because the rest of them don't work for them. So stats, facts, just get in the way of their agenda, so they just ignore it. And she's saying that abortion is an act of love. And I'll close with a female soldier. This is what's wrong with the military. In Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. We need action and we need it now. We're out of time. Thank you for inviting me to share about this moment in history, which I am certain will be a stain as we move forward. Abortion is normal. It is an act of love and it is fundamentally healthcare. I have thoughts. I have thoughts and I have questions. And I it happened. It happened. I woke up from a nap to this. On deployment, I woke up from a nap to this news. America is waking up to this news. 
I just extended my contract to continue serving this country a week ago. How am I supposed to swear to support and defend the Constitution and a country that treats its women like second-class citizens? How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that with pride? How am I supposed to do that with love and honor? How am I supposed to wake up every day and put on a freaking uniform that says United States Army when the United States doesn't even give a rat's ass about me? It gives more of a rat's ass about the guns they're allowed to buy that kill the children that I'm forced to give birth to. Think about that. Oh, that's so funny. This effect on female service women is an unintended consequence, which means that lawmakers and um, Supreme Court justices probably weren't thinking about this when they wrote their 213 some odd page report on it, right? They probably were not thinking about this consequence, but it is one. And it affects the very people that those lawmakers hold to a higher standard because they support the troops. Do you really though? You really support the troops, even though this is going to greatly lessen the retention of women in the ranks of this military? You support the troops, even though you are going to ruin some women's careers? I'm deployed right now. And I am a medic, so I know how this works of like, I have an extremely limited access to birth control. Mil women in the military are more likely to experience unplanned pregnancies. Women in the military are more likely to experience sexual assault. Where I'm at right now, you can't even get an ultrasound without traveling off base. You can't, it happened. It happened, ladies and gentlemen, and I signed that contract, so I will serve my country, but you bet your ass you're going to hear my voice because I will not stop, I will not rest, and I will not be silent because this is not an attack on reproductive rights. It is an attack on women in this country, 100%. It's a fucking cult, man. These people are seriously fucking fucked up. Benny Johnson, another demon testimony. Love for question mark because I'm pretty sure the unborn casualty would offer another opinion. AOC, uh, Penn's letter to Schumer urging him to say if Kavanaugh and Gorsuch lied under oath. She's still pushing that button. They, they really think they can get away with it. Lawless West Coast states create safe haven for out-of-state abortion seekers, not their own residents, and they're still paying them. Because, yeah, why wouldn't you? So, the Morton stuff literally politico says they steered into the culture so i'm gonna play some sound bites um from these fucking shit burglars um I, they don't like when it comes back so paypal pajal whatever media was losing their shit because a guy showed up at their house but all of a sudden they're getting heckled tour to front tour to 
Tour de France was interrupted by climate people, and they really don't dig it at all. But they're still calling out the hounds to get Republicans. Because make no mistake, sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. If you think you... We have one. Let me finish my comments. Let him talk. Let him talk. No one. Okay? Because make no mistake about it. This legislation is real progress, but more has to be done. Another Kamala Harris story. This is great. Let's look at this. I love this. This proves I am superior as a white man in my mother's basement at 44. Oh, more insults on Kamala Harris. It's all they do, right? And then you look. Oh, at the head-to-head matchup with Ron DeSantis, the great white hope, the guy that we hear every day. Oh, from the Mr. right. Florida man. Florida man from the right. Florida oh, he's going to win. Hey, Ron DeSantis, he's strong. <laughs> Ron DeSantis, he really showed the press. Oh, he really, he really showed the teachers. Oh, he's banning books now. He's really dumb, showing dumb. people who like the First Amendment. And we hear that. Two takeaways here, Joe, top of which is excellent impersonation typing as a FoxNews.com yeah. uh, correspondent there. Um, <laughs> I think that, first of all, I think there is a sense, and we've talked about it during the show, there is a frustration among some Democrats toward this White House, a, a sense of eternal gratitude to Joe Biden for defeating Donald Trump in 2020, but thinking perhaps he's not the right guy to now defeat Trumpism, and that maybe by issues. More Americans agree with where the Democrats are than where the Republicans are. So right now, it's a question of personality, perhaps, a question of we're just not sure we like how this White House is doing things. Although, to be fair, so many of the challenges on the White House's plate are out of their control, things like global inflation and a Supreme Court, of which they have no say over. But the crackpots in Arizona that are lining up and that looks like are going to be nominated uh, to run there. They're conspiracy theorists, they're weirdos, they're freaks. Uh, uh, they're, they're um, you know, they are the most unelectable. Uh, and yet they've risen to the top in each of these Republican primaries. I know that Mitch McConnell has to be pulling his hair out because this should be easy. Republicans are making a lot harder than it should be well, in 20. <clears throat> I got to ask you, Brittany, I mean, is it wrong for us or at least certainly for me to feel a little satisfaction watching Johnson being held accountable by the Republican Party? I mean, we rarely see accountability on this side of the pond for any of our politicians for the damage that they do. I understand your satisfaction completely. And I think that David makes some important points. But if I can push further a little bit, if Johnson lost his party, but the GOP has failed to back away from Trump, perhaps it is because there is a large segment of the GOP, if not all of it, that actually quite agree with him, that this is really who the GOP is. I mean, we have to remember mm. that MAGA was not a Trump original, right? That this idea was started long before him, and it was popularized by a president named Ronald Reagan. And he also ignored a pandemic. He was virulently xenophobic. And he, too, pursued policies that benefited wealthy, heterosexual, Christian white men, right? So this, in a lot of ways, is just the identity of the party. And 
frankly, if I'm Mitch McConnell, I'm not really concerned with the decorum of somebody like Trump. If he helped give me the Supreme Court of the GOP's dreams for the last 50 years, the Supreme Court that has overturned Roe, the Supreme Court that has gotten rid of bodily autonomy, the right to privacy, tribal sovereignty, uh, EPA regulations, uh, voting rights, all in a Mississippi Minute, Frankly, in a lot of ways, this is like that that Spider-Man meme. Trump and the GOP yeah. are wearing the exact same costume. They're looking at each other and pointing at each other. And these birds of a feather, frankly, will continue to flock together. No, it's absolutely it's such a valid point. It's such a good point that Trump is not the person who created the MAGA mob, but it was the MAGA mob that's been around that he probably just tapped into and jacked up even more. I wrote an article this week about Ron DeSantis, criticizing DeSantis, and which I'm going to do all the time. They've moved over. Frank, the emotional commitment they had for Trump is now bleeding over to DeSantis, where I'm getting not threats like I'm going to kill you, but more like, you know, vile comments, which I don't care, but I'm amazed at now seeing it with DeSantis. And I'm like, wow, they've moved on emotionally and they're beginning to defend DeSantis the same way, meaning Trump, the threats will come yeah. next. But this was a really, lot. Of, some things were about your brand. You know, you know go you, back to your country. You have raised a really interesting point, and it and it's it's I, I've not heard that raised yet with regard to this. Uh, I'll call it a transference, a transference. You know, in cult, if you study cults, um, most of the time a cult is allegiance to just one leader. But there are there are occasions where the leader passes away or hands the baton or someone wrests control of the baton over a cult, and, and the followers will, will transfer their allegiance to this person. So you might be on the cusp of, of recognizing that this cult, and I, I, I deliberately use that word uh, because of its focus on one individual, um, this cult may be in the process of, of transference. And if, cult, if Trump goes away, doesn't run, runs and loses, that does not mean the cult goes away. Really interesting point. Now, remember, uh, inflation just hit 9.1. His polls are below Trump's now. So that's not good. And they know it's not good. So, you know, what do they do? Attack is what the left always does. They don't, they just attack. That's their thing. When in doubt, blame Republicans. They're able to because the complicit media does it for them. I mean, this is all media members. Almost every week when I play this, it is the media doing it. I mean, I can't get the picture, actual story from New York Mag. Ron DeSantis will kill democracy slowly and methodically. Whether he's bad or Trump, as Trump or not doesn't matter. And then they literally, I watched this segment live, bring out Nina Jankowitz again, because they're still simultaneously disinfo, Russian disinformation. Don't believe your gas bill and inflation. Believe Nina Jankowitz. Nina Jankowitz is the researcher who briefly led the disinformation governance board before it collapsed. She's the author of books like How to Lose the Information War and the new book, How to Be a Woman Online. Uh, Nina, welcome to Reliable Sources. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
you've had a little bit of time to process what went wrong this spring when you briefly were the executive director of this board and then had it all fall apart. Let's just start with what was the goal? What was the Department of Homeland Security trying to do? Well, the Disinformation Governance Board was a body that was meant to advise the many parts of the Department of Homeland Security that were working on disinformation um, to bring best practices to bear and to make sure that we were up with the latest research, the latest trends in disinformation and countering it and make sure that that work was being done in a way that protected freedom of speech, protected civil rights, civil liberties and privacy. Now, what the Republicans and frankly, some on the far left as well well, spun was that this disinformation governance board was going to be a ministry of truth. There is no, absolutely no foundation for that, in fact. The disinformation governance board was never meant to police speech. It was not going to police speech. And frankly, Brian, I have written and researched about government efforts uh, to do just that. I am against them, just like many mm. Americans are. And if that were part of the job description, I wouldn't have taken the job. So the sympathetic view to you is that the disinformation board was the victim of disinformation. Is that how you feel? Oh, it absolutely was the, the victim of disinformation. So all of these narratives that the disinformation governance board was going to be this or Orwellian ministry of truth and all of the harassment uh, and, and disinformation that was directed against me was based on that falsehood, based on that falsehood that was knowingly peddled by many people in the conservative media ecosystem and on Capitol okay. Hill. Why? And frankly, if that's true, if that's true, what the heck was the Homeland Security Department doing? Why didn't they defend you? Why didn't you defend yourself? Why didn't the government explain what the heck it was doing? Yeah, I, I have a lot of uh, misgivings about the way things went down. And I think the first thing mm. to point out, Brian, is that there was a, a disproportionate focus on me, given my, my level of power within the department. I was not allowed to speak on my own behalf. Uh, and frankly, all the communications decisions that were being made about how to talk about the board were made above my pay grade um, and above my level, level of decision making. Uh, oh. I was the executive director, but there were a lot of people that were involved that um, didn't take advice, frankly, that I had given them. And I, I had hoped that things would go down differently. Look, I would um, start with the name. Like, that I, even I, just the name, right? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds Orwellian. Any, any PR professional would say, don't call it that, you know? They were just dumb mistakes made. Right, and, and that, that belies the fact that it was meant to be an internal governing mechanism, governing mm. how the, the, the Department of Homeland Security did its work on disinformation, not governing okay. the Internet. And, and that was one of the reasons that I ended up making the choice to resign, right? Because okay. I felt like the government had just rolled over to the critics who had completely spun this narrative out of mm. control based on absolutely nothing in reality, and the fact that they, they weren't able to defend me, the person that they had chosen, the expert that they had chosen to lead this board and, and safeguard this work. It just didn't mm. feel like it was worth it, uh, especially given Those the critics. fact that my family was receiving threats. And, and you were about to have a child, and, and I want to ask you about that in a moment. You, you, these critics, uh, there were many of them. They were incredibly loud. They say you're just a giant liberal, could never be appropriately hired for this job because you posted disinformation on Twitter yourself. 
Well, so there's a lot of things uh, that to unpack in that. First, let's start with the idea um, that anybody would be someone that anybody on the political spectrum would uh, want to be policing speech. Again, at the kernel of that criticism is the idea that this board would be policing speech, which it wasn't going to do. If that were the case, there would be no person nonpartisan enough, particularly in the counter disinformation sphere, who would uh, appeal to everyone in that in that role. Um, but I, you know, did not post disinformation. The folks that are honing in on tweets that I sent in 2016, right. uh, when I had fewer than a thousand Twitter followers, um, that you know I was just sharing information about a presidential election as it was happening, as millions of other Americans were doing, using their right to freedom of speech. That wasn't disinformation, right? It was just sharing news. Other people honed in on. Tweets that were, they completely stripped of context. The one that the conservatives loved uh, to really so, amplify was a tweet that they claimed uh, that that made me seem like I was uh, calling the Hunter Biden laptop disinformation when, in fact, I was just live tweeting a debate, you know, saying the exact words that then-candidate Biden hmm. and President Trump were saying during a debate. Totally stripped of context. So um, you still and think you were the right hire? further into the context. So you still think Absolutely, you were the right Brian, hire listen, for the job? Okay. Yes, I've, I've so done what, a ton of research over the past. Go ahead. I was just going to. So, so you believe you were the right hire. The government screwed up with this thing. But now the question is now what? Is the New York Times right that this is an unresolvable problem, that there's nothing Washington can do because Republicans and Democrats can't even agree on what disinformation is? I don't think it's an untouchable problem. We've seen other countries with highly polarized media environments, for example, the United Kingdom, do really good work on this topic. But what we need is for our politicians to recognize that this is a democratic problem, small d democratic problem. It knows no political party. Its ultimate victim is democracy, right? And we need those who are, frankly, benefiting from the political use of disinformation to recognize that they are putting our national security at risk and our democracy at risk. Someday disinformation is going to come for them as well. And nobody wants that. We want people to be able to agree on facts and make well-informed choices at the ballot box. Ultimately, that's what's at stake here. And until we come to that reconciliation in Washington, then yes, it's going to be extremely difficult to do this work, as my own experience uh, has shown. When you say make informed choices at the ballot box, do you just mean vote for Democrats? No, absolutely not. I am that's happy often for the criticism to, to vote. That's the right's criticism, yeah, which that, is that disinformation is used as a, as a weapon just to promote liberal agendas. That's not true, right? We have seen, and I've even pointed out in Twitter, uh, on Twitter over the past week, disinformation that has been used by the Democrats mm -hmm. as well. We need to get back to a point where uh, we are all you know, putting the truth forward and that people want to know what the truth is. In my case, people didn't want to know what the truth was about me. They were told that I was the enemy and they were happy to do no further research in that regard and continue to badger me and my family uh, rather than uncover my research, my writing, which has much mm. more nuanced views and advocates for things like information literacy, certainly not policing speech, which again, I right. do not agree with. So you have a newborn at home. What what has this spring and summer been like for you? You know, as you know, going going through parenthood and seeing yourself destroyed basically in right wing media. 
Well, it was it was a pretty scary couple of weeks. I was in my last trimester of pregnancy, uh, which should have been a very exciting time. And instead, my husband and I were making sure that you know our our home was secure. It was not the the end to a pregnancy that I had hoped. Luckily, our little guy is is doing just fine. But people were um, not only you know disparaging and and defaming me online. They were attacking my family. And some people, uh, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, said that she felt sorry for my unborn child. That is a ridiculous place for our national discourse to be in and you know again I've, I've advocated for all sorts of solutions mm. to disinformation but but I think one of the things that we really need to get back to is a common humanity I'm a person on the other side of my Twitter avatar I have a family I have a life and I went mm. into public service with a real desire to help the country and so I think we all need to think about that next time we're having these anonymized arguments on social media there are people on the other side of the screen and the mm. more that we can get back to that humanity in our politics and political discourse I think the better our democracy will be humanity that's the word Nina thank you for coming on the program good to see you thanks for having me. I know that's a long soundbite, but my God, the, the lady is a loon bat. But they are so frantic. Here's just some quick hits. Republicans love to ask what would happen if the right wing harassed someone in a restaurant as if they haven't been doing it since day one. These are their own tweets from 2019. So the answer of what happens when it's a dim is nothing. Zero sympathy for hypocrites. Because people took a picture of her eating a hamburger. And they took a picture of her eating a hamburger because she was telling you and us not to eat a fucking hamburger. Totally different. You're just harassing people. And Biden was interrupted by a Parkland guy because, once again, he is so key to just... He has to fucking... Take care of his far left. They want those guns out of your hand. They don't want you to have a gun. They don't think you should ever have a gun. You're a fucking piece of shit. You don't vote right. Other stories with the Jinkowitz. Team Biden ask America's report radicalized friends and family. That's another big push. Remember the FBI was doing it for a while. CA first grader disciplined harassed by school officials for writing any lives matter on a BLM drawing. They were suspended. And then they got everybody on record, finally, some media did. Butt leg, yeah, sure, great. There's a soundbite, not going to play it. Not going to play it. They're going after J.D. Vance. They're going after him. They're going after fucking DeSantis. Now we have, once again, the rash of... Expert on civil war says America's close to civil war. Expert. We're back to that expert thing. New York Times whines about Republicans' First Amendment interfering with censorship efforts. That's great. And then you roll out Nina fucking Jankowitz. Our media just, they just don't cover anything i mean I, the only thing i could find i got found a zakari talking about oil finally but they didn't cover the shutdown that we covered last month or pay you 50 dollars on venmo nobody covered that nobody fucking covered it they're never gonna cover any of this shit because in their minds any means it's so important to beat trump it's democracy we're losing democracy 
We're all losing it. But let, let me do a couple slides. Hold one. I want to start with this one. Do you remember Trump's health and all his health problems and everything that's going on? Do you remember that? Nobody's covering Biden's. So, Peter, you wrote uh, in today's The New York Times, here's the quote, at 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency. And you say that the original plan was for an arduous 10-day overseas trek until it became clear to Mr. Biden's team that such extended travel might be unnecessarily taxing for a 79-year-old president or crazy, as one official put it. Tell me what led to the schedule change. Yeah, so they have, they can tell you lots of different reasons why they decided to break the trip into two. There are some political reasons, diplomatic reasons why. Well, yeah, but, but how frustrated are they? Because in your article, you talk about how they say he shows tremendous leadership. He's very sharp with the questions. Whenever they're going back and forth, he leads things. He, the guy works out every day, half the time with a trainer. That's not getting out there. How frustrating is that for the White House staff? Well, I think it is frustrating. I think that they recognize that the, the, the bigger problem for them politically uh, is that even if the president is sharp mentally, even if he is driving these meetings, as they say, uh, that some of the physicality has been, you know, hard to overcome. He tends to uh, shuffle sometimes mm -hmm. because he has, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, mobility issues that the doctors have identified. Uh, he sometimes his speeches tend to be a little listless or he seems to momentarily get confused or have trouble summoning names. After you're 80 or in your 80s, and David talks about just turning 80 himself, and he says he's not as sharp as he used to be. Uh, th this conversation uh, is not helpful for the Democrats in a midterm election year. It's not helpful for any president anyway. No, it's not. And listen, Americans uh, typically look at the uh, office of the presidency as embodying uh, strength, uh, stamina, uh, and in some ways, I think this factor with this president, um, you can't change it, right? He's not going to get any younger. I think there are a lot of people who have looked at him over these uh, last uh, years. I wanted to post this, too. You know, there's a lot of people out there say, you know, and I've had friends question me because I say it's bullshit. When you look at the sheer numbers, counties, he won 477 counties, but he got 81 million votes. Trump won 2497. Obama won 873. The math just doesn't work. But that's, once again, things you, you can't talk about anymore. You can't talk about his health. That is like, Nets ignore internal White House concerns. They're afraid he's going to trip over shit. He literally shuffles. Full-fledged shuffles. That's what he does. Think about Trump and his staff. All the things. Networks ignore Biden-Harris staff fleeing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, twenty motherfuckers. Twenty-one. I'm sorry have left Biden, but you don't hear about it. You're too busy here in January 6th. Sydney Powell chugged a diet. Dr. Pepper is the content I'm here for. Love how they include Sydney Powell's diet, Dr. Pepper. That's what people were talking about yesterday. Her chugging was so important. So important. 10 new Hunter 
And if you're uh, watching Fox Nation, the, the second follow-up to Who's Hunter Biden, don't waste your time. That was just fucking lame. Just fucking lame. I was really kind of disappointed. All right, p- prostitution charges because he took prostitutes across state lines. President sold oil for emergency reserve to Chinese. Hunter Biden repeatedly insults First Lady Jill Biden using vulgar slurs. James Comer accuses White House of stonewalling Biden investigation. Hunter films sell smoke and crack. There's a new one that came out that got an iPhone. Now you see him with 21 grams of fucking meth. Or crack. Hunter's laptop, a contact to U.S. officials with China policy. Some smoking gun voicemail from Joe Biden to Hunter. I think you're clear. Hunter, Russia escorts unlawfully financed by Joe Biden. Hunter sat down with Russian oligarchs. Where's Bobolinsky? Hunter brags that Joe will adopt any political position he wants. He thinks I'm God. I'm not going to play it. They don't cover any of this. None. But... Here's Tucker covering it. So here's a new story you may have missed. Joe Biden has repeatedly denied knowing anything about his son Hunter's extensive business dealings overseas, particularly with the communist government of China. But a new voicemail just unearthed from Hunter Biden's iPhone, obtained by the Daily Mail, proves that Joe Biden is lying. Biden called his son in December of 2018. He wanted to talk to him about a piece in the New York Times about Hunter's business arrangements with a Chinese oil company, a deal that was worth millions of dollars. Now, the story reported that the oil company's executives are going to jail for bribery, not a small thing. Here's what Joe Biden told his son after reading the New York Times piece. Listen. Hey, pal, it's dad. It's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, is going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think you're clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. I think you're clear. Sounds like he knew. Miranda Devine has written a book on the contents of that laptop. She's a columnist with the New York Post. And of course, our friend, she joins us tonight. Miranda, thanks so much for coming on. This seems like a bit of a bombshell given Biden's denials. Well, it is, Tucker, and it again just puts the lie to Joe Biden's repeated insistence that he knew nothing about Hunter's overseas business dealings. In fact, he was intimately involved, and you hear with his own voice where he says to his son about this New York Times uh, story, uh, you know, I think you're clear, as in uh, you're out of trouble. This is, um, you know, at least evidence of some sort of guilty knowledge. And um, what it shows is that they were in trouble because the New York Times had come very close to the story about the the whole Biden family, Hunter, Joe and his brother, uh, Uncle Jim Biden, their involvement with this Chinese energy company in a multi-million dollar uh, partnership. And uh, suddenly Patrick Ho, one of the executives of that company, is arrested at JFK on bribery charges. And the New York Times is sniffing around. And there are texts showing that Hunter is panicking about this. Uh, His lawyer tells him, don't worry, I've hosed down the New York Times. I've been talking to the reporter and they're not going to mention Joe. And then uh, after the story comes out, Hunter's very relieved and he tells his lawyer, uh, well, you did an amazing job of turning it into a big fat nothing. 
Amazing. Because, of course, Hunter Biden had no skills. He was trading on his father's government <laughs> job. That's how he got the job at the oil company. Exactly. Randy Devine, who's done so much. We told you about this on Friday night, and then over the weekend, we put it into some context. So we'll summarize the story for you once more. Last summer, a group of American intelligence analysts working for the U.S. government issued a report on the origins of COVID. They've been asked to, and they did. Now, these people work at CIA, NSA, a bunch of other agencies, and they concluded that the coronavirus may very well have been manufactured in a lab by the Chinese military. Turns out that's not a talk radio conspiracy theory. As a factual matter, it's a very real possibility. And if it's true, if that's what happened, and again, many highly informed people believe that's exactly what happened, that would mean the Chinese government is responsible for killing millions of people around the world. It would also raise questions, obvious questions about motive. Why would China unleash a deadly virus on the globe? To the American mind, that is an unimaginable thing to do, but the Chinese government thinks very differently from the way that we think. And here's why. America has been the dominant power in the world for more than 100 years, since the end of the First World War when Europe destroyed itself. Empires destroying themselves always paves way for new empires, something we should keep in mind at the moment. So American attitudes about everything are shaped by generations of casual affluence. We're in charge and we always will be in charge. That's what all of us assume. But the Chinese government does not assume this about us or them. Until fairly recently, China was a poor country. There are still millions of living Chinese who remember seeing their neighbors starve to death during famines. As a result of that experience, China is very aggressive and very ambitious in ways that your average State Department official from Bethesda could not begin to comprehend. So would a government like that use COVID as a bioweapon? Well, why wouldn't it? The coronavirus reshuffled the global order. It crushed the American economy. It made China preeminent. If China takes over the world, and that appears to be coming, COVID will be one of the main reasons it was able to. So by definition, you would think we would want to know where COVID came from. That's a meaningful question. But Joe Biden doesn't want to know. He ignored the report he ordered. He ignored the findings of his own intelligence agencies. That's bizarre when you think about it. And if you think that's weird, how about this? This February, Biden canceled a counter espionage program called the China Initiative. Now, the point of that program was stopping the rampant threat of our national security secrets by the government of China. But the White House decided to very little fanfare that somehow that program was racist and therefore it had to end. That means the Chinese government can now spy and steal with impunity. Not since Franklin Roosevelt colluded with Joseph Stalin has an American president done anything like that. But Joe Biden didn't hesitate. And then he kept doing things like this. Now Biden says he plans to end tariffs against China, tariffs that Donald Trump put in place and that China has been complaining about ever since. And not only is Joe Biden ending tariffs against China, Joe Biden's Justice Department has just arrested the man responsible for those tariffs. His name is Peter Navarro. He was the most effective China hawk in the Trump administration. Last month, Peter Navarro was handcuffed at a Washington, D.C. airport and dragged to jail in leg irons. Why? Supposedly because of January 6th. But Peter Navarro had literally nothing to do with January 6th. He wasn't even there. But Joe Biden didn't stop there. Steve Bannon was the other notable voice in the Trump administration, warning about the growing power and malicious intent of the Chinese government. In November of last year, Steve Bannon was also arrested by the Biden Justice Department, also on absurd pretexts. So take a step back. What's the message here? Well, it's unmistakable. Don't criticize the Chinese government or we will throw you in jail. 
Now, if you happen to be watching all of this from Beijing, as Chinese leaders definitely have been, you would be applauding. Joe Biden just arrested your loudest critics. How gratifying is that? Things are going well for you. You already control Canada, whose brain-dead prime minister is effectively a Chinese lackey. Now the most powerful country in the world is doing exactly what you want it to do. You'd be thrilled by this. You'd be especially thrilled to see Joe Biden destroy America's single greatest asset, which is its domestic energy supply, and make the United States entirely dependent on Chinese technology for wind and solar projects. If you're the Chinese government, this is the masterstroke. This is the checkmate. Once you control a country's energy grid, you control that country. And you would know that because you didn't go to Yale Law School. And you know something about reality as a result. And by the way, if you're watching all of this from Beijing, you would find it especially amusing to have the president of the United States sell you his country's strategic petroleum reserve, even as he declared oil and gas off limits to his own population. If you could pull that off, you would know you were entirely in charge of the U.S. government. You could make Joe Biden do anything. But of course, you already knew that because you've seen it in action. When American forces left Afghanistan, Joe Biden turned over Afghanistan's entire mineral wealth, which is vast, to the Chinese government. That would include gold and coal and oil and gas, lithium, rare earth minerals, resources the United States needs to make smartphones, automobiles, power our energy grid. But Joe Biden handed all of that to the government of China. And then he kept going. Biden also dropped the Trump administration's efforts to ban Chinese surveillance programs that poses social media apps. That means WeChat and TikTok. Then Biden approved licenses for Huawei, which is controlled by the Chinese government, to buy auto chips. That gives the Chinese government even deeper control over the automotive supply chain in this country, one of our last manufacturing sectors. And then as a humiliating flourish, a deep and groveling kowtow, Joe Biden signed a so-called climate pledge with China. China will ignore this pledge. Obviously, they already are ignoring it. But we will take the pledge seriously because that's the kind of country we are. And that pledge will further cripple our domestic energy production because that's what it was designed to do. It's all pretty amazing when you think about it, when you put it in context. Whatever helps the Chinese government, Joe Biden has dutifully done. Whatever hurts America's most important strategic interests, he has also done. But why has he done this? How did the Chinese government wind up with so much control over the United States president, over Joe Biden's behavior? We've been mulling that for more than a year. And that's why since October of 2020, we have been on the Hunter Biden laptop story, because that seems like the key to this question, how the Chinese government got so much control over Joe Biden. Now, the tech companies have tried to censor that story at every turn. They're doing so again tonight. And it's not surprising why they're beholden to China as well. But we've continued to pull those threads. So is the Daily Mail. In April, the Daily Mail reported that a whistleblower was in possession of 450 gigabytes of deleted material from Hunter Biden's laptop. The whistleblower's name is Jack Maxey. He'd gone to Switzerland fearing retaliation. We wanted to know more. So in April, we flew to Zurich to meet Jack Maxey. Here's part of what he told us. So you've taken a look at the laptop and you now believe that there are deleted files on that laptop that nobody else has seen, but that you have found and seen. Um, describe how you found these files. Well, my first purpose of this trip was to get the 128,000 emails of which 120,000 were in archives on the original uh, visible portion of it. 
and to catalog all of the text messages, which most of which are also in archives. And we did that relatively quickly. I was just going to make copies for the Senate, the House, and all the state AGs and see if maybe local sheriffs could start enforcing the laws that the feds wouldn't. And about day five of this process, uh, one of my guys said, hey, Jack, I feel like there's more on here. Do you mind if I try some little tricks? And I said, sure, go ahead. And within 15 minutes, he's like, oh, my God, we just got 10, you know, 10 gigabytes of this, five gigabytes of this, that, and the other thing. Um, ultimately, we ended up with over 100,000 more emails that we've been able to scrape out of it, 80,000 images and videos. So you can say what you want about Jack Maxey and you can dismiss him by calling him names. But the story he was telling was really interesting, tantalizing, in fact, given what we already. It's just fucking amazing that none of this matters. None of it. It, it doesn't even make airtime. Other stupid White House suggests breaching dams to save endangered salmon because they don't want you to even have electricity for your electric car. Toyota chief science says the world isn't ready for EV. We don't have the grid. We don't have the supplies. We don't have the batteries. Starbucks is closing all sorts of stores due to violence in blue cities. That's not major news, of course. And then Axios does an amazing thing that 50% downturn in news viewership. Cable news is down 20, 16 for media apps, 18 news sites, social media, 58%. Because people are just done. I mean, what do you what do you hear over and over? Lies, false, woke shit. It's just fucking painful. It's nonstop. So this is the part of the show where I usually go, hey, let's do some trans. Well, today I decided to live on the edge. And for the longest time, we haven't done one. So it's time for Military Corner.
That was a Pensacola Beach Blue Angel show, which is just the best show you can go to, really. Um, and uh, I have a couple other we'll play throughout this little segment, but let's get into it. So we're going to do uh, some general stuff, woke gear, have a good time. Feeding our paychecks to the pumps, troops, family, deal with vacation. And this is from Military Times. And, you know, they're sucking. They spend 200 a week on gas. And when you don't make a lot of money, that's a lot. Other article. Are commissaries providing the savings they promised troops? And this is a long, thought-out, bullshit even with their generics, it is so expensive. We don't really go to the commissary. It just isn't. Um, we just don't. It doesn't save you money. It doesn't help in the long run. And that's just crazy. you got a 5% surcharge on top. Commissaries need to change or they need to go the fuck away. It's scary as hell. PFA's exposure to widespread problem for troops, families, nationwide. This kind of goes into the problem. There's been like Camp Lejeune. You got Hawaii. We got issues with water. What did you think about it at Fort Irwin? Fort Irwin was an underground well that they pumped out. But God knows how much radioactivity was in that fucking shit. Think about it. That whole area was nuked. Behind the scenes of Moving with the Military with Marina Red, a new series. I It's a podcast. I'm not going to listen to it, but I just put it out there. As troops face mounting demands to serve in crisis, civilian employers are firing them. This is against the law, but this article was kind of shocking where a lot of people are just really getting fucked. They get called up do their time, and they come back and they've been replaced. And we have a whole bunch of laws, but nobody's going to enforce those laws because we don't even force gun laws, so what the fuck. Veterans have a higher rate of erectile dysfunction, study says. I don't know. I ain't used my pecker in a while. I've been too fucking sick, but that's just an interesting thing. So, of course, we got to go to woke. And to compromise woke will go this fucking moron because this is why the army's gone to shit all these articles i found so many articles on military sites and they were all about fucking abortion abortions are rarely performed by military clinics data show the shocking thing is it does happen um within this article a hundred abortion hundred abortions in the past five calendar days I didn't know we did it. I can't get my stomach sewn up. I can't get treatment for my fucked up stomach. But you can get your dick turned into a vagina and you more importantly can get an abortion. Hmm. DOD looks to protect troops, civilian employees from prosecution over new abortion laws. DOD is looking at all sorts of shit. It is just fucking amazingly stupid. Um, I tried to get this file, but let me see if I can get it again, because I really wanted to play this. This fucking shit. I'm not going to be able to get it. Air Force leaders discourage use of gender-specific pronouns in award citations. And they basically come back to, you need to go, they, them, uh, the soldier. And then the... in crooks with it is the new push social media can be a weapon and it's time u.s troops get trained on it so the army has come out with 
The army wants soldiers to stop shitting on the army online, and they have a new doctrinal thing that people have to fucking cover. Um, the army is inviting social media influencers to D.C. to learn how to reach to youths. The youths. Female troops diagnosed with STDs at a markedly higher rate than males report fines. It is a huge percentage. They are one, one in four females. Think about that. This week, Army cut off 60K sailor, uh, sailor, soldier, National Guard pay and benefits. Just cut them the fuck out. NPR did a huge story on abortion, and they only had lefties per SOP. That's who they interviewed. House wants troops to chow down on native tribe bison. House makers passed the $840 billion version of the National Defense Authorization Act at a committee on June 23rd incorporating a series of amendments that included, among others, a procurement measure for bison meat. The final annual defense bill must still be passed by the full House. If passed, the Pentagon will begin increasing procurement of bison meat with the goal of procuring 2 million pounds of bison meat annually to promote bison as a healthy and sustainable food source. So cow farts are really important. Don't bisons fart? Retired general suspended after tweet critical of Jill Biden. His tweet really wasn't critical, but he lost his job as a mentor. And then she goes out and calls people talkables. And then I could waste your time with hours of how Army is going to go total fitness on their PT. And we're going to be fucking hardcore. But it really comes down to... Women can't pass the fucking PT test, and they don't know what to do with it because they're pretty much fucked. So let's do a fun soundbite. Here is trick shots from Black Rifle Coffee for July 4th. To the gear, and this is a uh, pretty fucking badass right here. Um, 
General Dynamics Unit wins contract for build new light tank for infantry. And basically, this is kind of a combination of the Bradley with the tank, same caliber, same computer, but it's more portable, which is kind of important. This, and I'm just going to bring this across, this is some badass shit. This was out in Oregon. This is a National Guard pilot. And I saw some shit like this in Afghanistan, but look at that. That's some good piloting right there. That's all over the fucking internet. You probably already saw it. Uh, Air Force. New study finds A-10s still ignore fucking runways and they're still kick-ass, but yet motherfuckers still want to get rid of them. I, I don't fucking understand. I, I just don't know why you'd want to get rid of the A-10. It's just been proven over and over and over. If we would have sent about 100 A-10s to Ukraine, different outcome. Raider X. High-speed helicopter brandishes weapons as it takes shape, and they got some kick-ass stuff. They got a Gatling gun on this bitch, side ports. It's basically going to be your helicopter to the UH-60, and it's going to take over for the uh, Apache is, which is pretty fucking cool. Striker power problem uncovered in tests is U.S. Army network gear, and this Striker has just not been a good fucking vehicle platform. It's not done well. U.S. Special Operation Command is working on a new and improved version of the SEAL Stealthy Mini Sub that we all see in Hollywood, but you'll never see in real life. Because if you did, they'd have to kill you. That's pretty badass. F-18 gets lost. Yeah, $40 million aircraft just fell off the USS Harry S. Truman. That's probably not good. So I'm watching Rules of Engagement. And I see a bur, you know, a, a fucking ship I'm not used to seeing. And of course, it is the Navy's amphibious salt carrier. And I read a lot of articles about it. Very interesting. This is basically an aircraft carrier, but it's smaller. So in a pinch, you could actually use this as a small aircraft carrier. It holds about 100 aircraft. Mostly helicopters, but you could chuck the helicopters. I just wanted to bring that up. You probably don't care, but I thought it was cool. Terminalist review. We are now getting incredibly good ones, simultaneously bad ones from civilians because it's too patriotic. But if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's good. And then this. Here's a ridiculous true story behind a rock or something. Now, this is for the heaters for MREs, for those who've never seen it. If you served in the military in the last quarter century, then you're probably eating an MRE. And unless you really enjoyed chowing down cold, I did. I don't like the smell of that shit. Some vaguely meat-like product, then you use a flameless ration. And that means you're familiar with the gem of a phrase, rock or something. The instructions for how to properly use an MRE heater advises the user to lean the heater against a rock or something, your Kevlar, your boots, another MRB, a rip it, anything really. The vague nature of the instructions led the phrase to reappear in news feeds, sarcastically equipped in conversations, and even as a subject of satirical post. But where did rock or something come from? The term rock or something has now reached cult status, says Lauren Oleski, a team leader of the food processing at Natick. Olensky and teammate Bob Trotter and Don Pickard coined the phrase in 1993. The ration heater does exactly what its name implies. With just an ounce and a half of water, the magnesium iron alloy and sodium in the heater will raise the temperature of the MRE 8-ounce main meal by 100 degrees in just 10 minutes. 
We were designing the directions and wanted to show an object to rest the heater on, Solinsky, who recalls Pickard saying, I don't know, let's make it a rock or something. So we wrote rock or something on the object kind as a joke. It's taken a life of its own. And I just thought that story was precious. If you've been in the military, you've seen it. And it's just everything's stupid. Front towards enemy, blah, 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 blah. Really. Here are the funniest punishments ever had down, according to the internet. Well, before that, let me play a serious scene. This is one of my favorite SEAL team scenes. If you haven't watched SEAL Team, watch it. He that dwelleth in the sacred place of the Most High, so hide in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. I will say to my Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Break it down! So here are some of the stories. One of the first days in basic, a guy in my platoon was standing at attention while having his room inspected by the instructor. It didn't matter how nice his room was because there was a large piece of fuzzy fluff on his shirt that immediately drew the sergeant's attention. 
Imagine a female French-Canadian sergeant with this accent. Recruit Bloggins, what is that on your shirt? Is that a fluffy? Yes, sergeant. Why is there a fluffy on your shirt, Bloggins? I must have missed it, sergeant. Missed it? It's so huge. How did you miss this big fluffy? She picks it off him. Hold out your hand. This is Mr. Fluffy. Find a home for him like a pill bottle or something. From now on, whenever I want to see Mr. Fluffy, you better bring it out. That's some stupid shit I would have done. You've got a, you're a ghost now. You can't talk. Marine Corps boot camp, one kid on Firewatch failed to notice the drill instructor coming on deck, which means you immediately salute and port your post. So the DA ran up to his rifle rack, smacked it, and yelled, Bam, you're dead! He tried to respond, was cut off. You're a ghost now. You can't talk. Go act like a ghost. <laughs> replacing the oxygen he stole from everyone else. A service member was a total fuck-up, to put it gently. Couldn't be on time, couldn't show up dressed to standards, constantly forgot professional courtesies, so on. When he was on his last straw, his squad leader pulled him aside and more or less started yelling, then stopped himself. No, you know what? I'm done yelling at you. It doesn't work. Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. He stormed off into the company building... The phrase, stay right there, don't go anywhere, is typically the precursor of something horrible happening when said in anger. The squad leader eventually emerged carrying a smallish potted tree, which he handed to the service member. You will keep this tree alive. You will carry this with you wherever you go in uniform. You will take it to PT. You will take it to chow. You will take it to work. If anyone asks you why you're carrying this fucking tree around, you will tell them it's to replace the oxygen I stole from anyone else which prompted one of my favorite stories we had a guy named drill boy so when i was um a drill my first cycle was a nightmare i came in after in a uh white phase so we were giving him a little more stuff it was red white and blue yeah blue phase was last phase because this is bt and i had to do the platoon i didn't know shit i was all fucked up so like a full two cycles later, I am going to be the good cop. Now, we hadn't gone to the full thing, as I've talked on the show, where we didn't yell the first week or first couple days. We were super nice. And then we'd yell at them because that would really jerk their chain because they're expected to be yelled. But then when you yell when they're not expecting, it freaks them the fuck out. And it was more productive for us. So we were still in go mode so i was going to be the nice drill i wasn't going to yell so we go this first day and we get them off the buses and then we start the other two guys are yelling and i'm just going to move this way hurry up privates you know being all professional and i was going to do the initial paperwork because there's a shit little paperwork they got to fill out and one guy leads them through it so excuse me um i'm up there and i'm, I'm holding it together being i'm supposed to be professional and I look at this kid, and he's got Coke bottle glasses on. Just a total fuck-up. I mean, I don't even know how I got in the military. Well, I mean, we got him graduated, but, I mean, PT, it didn't matter. This this guy was useless as fuck. If it was wartime, he would get a lot of people killed. But this was 94 or whatever, 94, 95. And I'm looking at him, and he keeps looking up, and it's like this. With his mouth open. And so he looks up one time and like a gallon of drool comes out of his fucking mouth. 
and I just lose it. I start laughing so hard, they had to pull me out of the fucking room. I had never seen a grown person do that. I mean, by this point, I'd made people pee their pants, but I'd never seen somebody drool. So we ended up calling this kid Drool Boy. And Drool Boy became our thing. We're going to get this kid graduated. So we started all this stupid little shit like, carry this, it'll help you carry this. So I remember... When, when you did qualification, we weren't part of it. We were just safeties. But they had other people monitor it for, you know, accountability. You know, some guys don't have integrity. They want a 100% graduation rate. And they're going to let people just fucking not even hit shit and say they did hit it. Even though, you know, this was one of those ranges that counted the hits, you still could sit there and go, well, no, the, the, this target's fucked up and give them a hit for that target as long as somebody witnessed it. So I'm out in the safety for my lanes, and each platoon had four lanes with 16-lane qualification range at Fort Jackson. When this kid comes out to qualify, he is juggling 4,000 things. It was like just not us. Every drill sergeant, every cadre, every private had given. This guy was carrying like 40 chem lights all popped. Troll dolls. It didn't matter. He had just had a bundle of fucking shit for good luck. And he shot 25 and qualified. So that was one of the good ones. Next article I found, which I think is fucking hilarious as shit. Watch these soldiers regret every, absolutely everything during the gas chamber. I'm going to tell you right now, gas chamber, A, I was a dickhead because I forget to tell the wife almost every fucking time. And she'd do my laundry. Because I had... I had uniforms I just wear for field and then I had my starch and presses I'd have seven of them starch and press wear them uh, for a week and then I had these ones I just took to the field that were less professional same thing with the boots well I ran it because I was chemically qualified I'd gone to the stupid school where you do downwind predictions and detailed troop decons and all this stupid shit and it's horrible I mean, it's, it's fucking horrible. I mean, the canisters are bad, but when you're burning the actual powder, it's pretty fucking potent. So even when I would leave the range for the day, I would be getting boogers and eye waters just from my fucking uniform from standing in there because I wanted to be macho. I didn't wear a chem suit. Most people wore chem suits. I didn't. I just walked under my BDUs. But we were just sadistic about it. Chili Mac. We would take them, they'd have to do some tests on certain things like Dawn, clear your mask, fucking antropine injections, and we did tests on it because that was part of the end of cycle hands-on tests they had to do to graduate, which was a joke because basically I got yelled at for being too hard as a grader on my own people, and then they just took it away from us because they wanted better stats because this was during the Clinton era. Uh, they wanted the females all to graduate. They didn't really care about the men. And we would theme that Chili Mac... And that Chili Mac made for projectile vomit like you just don't want. By the end of every company, there would be a line as you see these guys coming out of the tent. And it's just CS everywhere. There'd be just a line of red puke fucking everywhere. And we would do the right thing and walk them uphill because the wind. And you'd have this, wherever the wind was going, that's where you walked them and they'd bleed it off. But... Some of them just would inhale way too much at that last thing because you had to break it, reseal it, and then you had to take it off and say your name and social security number. It was just a rite of passage, and uh, some of them failed that rite of passage. Um, 
This one was kind of funny. At Thule Air Base, or Thule Air Base, Lucky Charms keep the lights on for missile defense. And in here, they're literally saying they get it to get the polar bears the fuck away, which I think is pretty good. Way good. Our last article is, My son was tortured. Mom of SEAL candidate who died hours after completing Hell Week speaks out. And this lends me to think with the Biden administration, we're going to see a change to SEAL Hell Week. I just fucking see it coming. Because, once again, during Clinton, that's when we couldn't yell and scream. We were the kindler, gentler army. And I'm sure it's going to change. So, for our final soundbite, it has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I'd put a lighter fare up, but I already did my lighter fare for Biden, uh, Flotus, Type 1H. We watched uh, Twister the other day, because I love that fucking movie. And uh, this motherfucker right here literally got a rocket. So, if you remember Twister, they had Dorothy, and Dorothy would fly little sensors up in the cloud. Well, these are rockets, and he's the only person to ever get a rocket. It went all the way up to 30,000 feet, and they got all sorts of data off it. And uh, actually, they, they quit doing this. A National Weather Service, just it was too impossible. And a lot of times, it would just get destroyed in the, in the funnels. But this guy got it up. And here's his little best of. And um, this motherfucker's got a serious adrenaline junkie problem because, uh, yeah, he gets way too close. A tornado outbreak appears imminent today across portions of Dixie Alley. I would not be surprised if there are dozens of tornadoes when it's all said and done. Gotta go, something coming out of that. If you live anywhere in the state of Louisiana, have your safety plan in place for severe weather because this is about as dangerous as it gets.
doesn't get any better than that. long road of recovery is ahead. Very large trees here down reports a two inch diameter hail. Here it comes. Ow! That came through the ceiling. It's getting hit by the hail, poor thing. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to FlyPodcast.com where you find links for everything. Disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Stay cool because it's going to get hot as shit, at least where I'm living. Um, we did get some rain yesterday. It was pretty cool. And we're going to shoot for a uh, 17 July podcast on Sunday. Um, for those that are praying people, ask you to pray that I get some kind of answer on what the hell's going on with my body. I'd like to get back to life, and uh, I don't know how this actually helped me get back to life. It actually made me worse. I've been raw through this entire thing because they jammed a camera all the way into my lower or upper intestines and then filled me full of air, and yeah, it's been kind of rough. Dipping makes me kind of squealy, but um, I'm hoping I can get something, uh, some kind of uh, results. I... Uh, Literally, I haven't taken uh, any kind of uh, heartburn medicine for now 10 days. Uh, tomorrow, I'm, I'm not supposed to start taking it, but I'm going to take one tomorrow. Because uh, that does make it super, super raw. But a uh, little prayer would be cool. Not asking for uh, any absolution for the sins I've done on this earth. Because I have done some. I'll work that out later. But a uh, little positive energy. I, I got to get my stomach right. I got to start eating. And I got to get back to work. And uh, I don't know what these gates are. Because this gate just didn't seem... If you get too much air in your stomach, why are you making my esophagus look like some porn star's asshole. Not that I've seen that. Well, I did in Afghanistan, but man, remember the story? I've said it on the show. It's disgusting. But um, yeah, I don't see how that helps me. But you know, they're the doctors. We'll see. We'll see when the results in 10 days, the biopsies, maybe they'll find some kind of bacteria. Who knows? It's uh, very interesting, to say the least. The only positive out of this is I've lost a lot of weight, gotten in better shape, and I don't use a CPAP anymore. That's pretty fucking cool. I didn't like the CPAP. My nose is still not healed. For those that remember shows where it's a red line, that was permanent almost because that was the only way to keep it on my face. But anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. You guys take care of yourself, and uh, I'll talk to you Sunday. <laughs>